Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It is Wednesday, which means it's time for the front three of me, Adam, but with the one and only Dave O'Brien. Oh, baby. Let's do this. And of course, Lawrence McKenna. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm dialing in from, from Wembley, lads. I'm not here for the whole show. No, unfortunately not. Kristen is going to take the place. shoot. Oh, fantastic. As he will dial in from New York. could there possibly be? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that seems harder. And yeah, he's, he's, he's staying the whole show. Um, but yeah, I mean, how was the rest of the Champions League? I mean, in the Spurs games, it feels kind of unimportant. It feels well, a little bit, you know. I mean, you guys sort of made it through to the Europa League, though, didn't you? Thanks to that result. <sighs> we did. We did make it through to the Europa League. I looked in doubt at one point. Uh, CSK went one up. Um, bit disappointed. I suppose are playing well. They were playing well in the first sort of ten minutes or so. Uh, very fluent, you know, very good going forward. Um, they were as good as CSK were bad. Uh, they sort of got a goal on the counter, but luckily uh, Spurs managed to to fight their way back into it. Deli Alley scoring the equaliser, uh, beautiful finish after some poor defending, has to be said, uh, from the Russians. And then uh, Harry Kane. That was a fantastic goal. I gotta say the 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 one that put Spurs two one up just before. Half time, a beautiful ball from Christian Eriksen. Uh, Danny Rose squaring it, a perfect ball, rolling past three CSK defenders. Harry Kane just slots it in. And then towards the end, uh, his own goal, I believe, from, from Aki and Fieve. I was just, I just didn't want him to come. I could just see him after we went 1 0 down. I was like, right, they're going to win. They're going to keep a clean sheet. It's going to be endless, the abuse we get. For uh, that would have been his first clean sheet in how long, Dave? Statman? 10 years, right. is it? Or something? Or 10 years, I think it's 43 games now. <laughs> A long, a long bloody time. But it was good. I mean, you know, it's uh, obviously it didn't mean anything in the game, really. I know we get through to the Europa League, but it was a good performance. Again, though, like the game at Swansea, it comes against a poor team. Um, so we can't read too much into it. But the encouragement is perhaps uh, the performances of some of the players, players like Deli Alley and Kyle Walker, who have sort of had uh, on and off sort of couple of weeks, couple of months, really. Kyle Walker was exceptional tonight, 100% the man of the match for me. So having those sort of players find their form. Christian Eriksen, who, you know, I was given a hard time a few weeks ago. He looks uh, looks much improved. So ahead of the, the game at Old Trafford, you know, it's probably more important that we, we get a confidence boost out of that game. And I think, you know, the game against Man United will probably be a true, true measure of where Spurs are now uh, after recent results. Yeah. What do you think of um, Harry, Harry Winks' performance against CSK Moscow? Because he completed 104 passes against the uh, Russian champions, and that's more than anyone managed in the Champions League tonight, Adam. Were you impressed? 
Yeah, I think, you know, most Spurs fans are impressed with Harry Winks, what we've seen over the last few weeks. I think Pochettino has smartly sort of uh, bedded him into the team gradually. Um, it was good to see him start tonight um, alongside Victor Wanyama in midfield. And as you say, I think on the ball, he's he's very impressive. He's a different player to Dembele, who we sort of replaced. Dembele obviously is, is fantastic on the ball, sort of takes on his opponents, drives forward between the lines. But Harry Winks likes to spread the play a lot more. I think he was very smart in his passing. Again, CSK weren't the, uh, they weren't the toughest of opponents, but I think there were a couple of occasions where Harry Wink started off promising attacks and sort of, you know, got Spurs going on the ball, really. And we have sort of struggled uh, in this, this recent sort of bad patch for creativity, really, especially from deep. I mean, when you've got Dembele playing alongside Wanyama, although Dembele's got his qualities, as I say, there's not really that pass that can sort of unlock a defence and I think Harry Wink showed tonight that maybe he's got those those qualities and him now being in the first team squad gives us that option, um, be it from the start, be it off the bench, to sort of bring a little bit more creativity from, from deep in midfield I think. Yeah, disappointing overall for Spurs. You guys, you guys had a group that you could have taken here but ultimately it looks as if Wembley actually worked against you. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think the stats or doing the rounds was that we scored as many goals tonight as we had in the previous five games is in the whole campaign and even tonight you know I think the attendance was I think there's only 10 maybe 15,000 people missing you know there's a few empty seats has to be said compared to the game against Leverkusen uh, so the atmosphere was it was a little bit flat but I think again you know that's the, the second game I've been to unfortunately I missed the first game against Monaco or fortunately uh, depending on how you look at it but you know, sitting with Spurs fans around me, there's, there is an anxiousness about next season, about having to play every single game there and having that atmosphere. I don't want to say it's going to be negative, but I think it's going to be it's going to be difficult, I think. Um, it's just completely different from White Hart Lane. So I think next year is going to be, it's going to be an interesting season at Wembley, let's say. Going into the game this weekend, does that put you on a positive note? <sighs> yeah, of course. Like I said, I think it's good to go into that with the win. Um, I think it's going to be a big game because, you know, Spurs, and although we've got a bit of a buffer now, I think, is it six points we've got to Manchester United, Dave? Is it six points Spurs are in? Not to rub it in. Adam, like you just fell into the Europa League. That's one of the tournaments Man United are going to win this season, unfortunately. So you guys can <laughs> pack your you bags, but you, 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 as soon as the, the quarters come or whenever we can play it, you're done. You're finished. <laughs> I think we're at a crucial stage it? now where... The, the top four's sort of taking shape and, and Spurs and, and Man United just outside that. I'd say it's probably a big game for Manchester United because, of course, if we win, I think that gap does become, will become nine points. But I think Manchester United are, like I say, it's the, it's the measure of where Spurs are now because forms ha- the form has sort of uh, upturned in recent weeks, as have the performances. You know, the win against West Ham was lucky. Um, it was a good performance against Chelsea despite the loss and now two sort of quite comfortable wins against poor opposition. So I think against Manchester United it should be uh, an interesting game I'm I'm relatively confident given Manchester United's uh, recent uh, struggles and obviously it is Old Trafford is it? Yes it is Old Trafford yeah. I'm, I'm given, going on the train there on Sunday Given the fact when was the last time Manchester United won a home game in the league? Adam I don't care anymore <laughs> it's all about the cup competitions, buddy. Wow! What happened in the last what, what, the last round of the League Cup? We won the one before. Dave, we what's beat your, Dave, City. Stop talking about the cups. We're talking about the league, right? What's your what's your <laughs> sort of prediction for for the weekend against Spurs? 
Um, I think that if Spurs come out and play the, the style of football they've been playing the last two games, you know, pressing and they're offensive and Deli Alley's back in form in terms of his movement, yeah. Christian Eriksen, like you already mentioned, I feel they found a bit of balance. Well, Spurs have found a bit of balance with playing Son on the left, Eriksen on the right hand yeah. side. You know, the, the assist he got today was a cross. A little bit unlike Christian Eriksen, but maybe you can play that role for them. So, yeah, I'm a little bit worried. Um, especially given that if Michael Carrick is playing defensive midfield, you've got a bit of a problem there if Spurs are overloading the, the flanks in a way, if Deli Alli is drifting out left or right or Eriksen's drifting. Just a bit of worry there in front of, in front of the back four, really, for me, for United. Who should, uh, who should we as Spurs fans be looking out for then? Who's the danger man for, for United? Jose Mourinho and a big bottle. Yeah, Jose <laughs> Mourinho. Make sure you've um, all your bottles, your, your Spurs bottles, or the lid is tight, and, you know, tight on. You don't want to see any... any blood or water go anywhere I mean, Dave that is that is partly the problem is that actually um, there's a lot of Spurs fans and I suppose a lot of other fans will tell you that Spurs do have a lot of bottle mm, that is a fair point we, but no yeah. I think, yeah. I think Henrik, Henrik Mitterian is the guy that you want to be uh, dealing with and if you can sort of halt his creativity you, you're already like halfway to beating Manchester United at the moment but he was awesome um, with his last well, he, three he games, on, games he's been he'll brilliant he'll be playing on the right will he He'll be playing on the right, yeah, and his relationship with Valencia is starting to look like a real partnership. So, yeah, you, there's some threat down there. So, if Son's playing out there, is he going to track um, Valencia? That's going to be a big question. Okay, interesting. I'm, I'm hopeful. Like I say, Spurs, the form sort of uh, uptick, the, the performance is better, and I think, like Dave says, there, there's a couple of key players back in form, so... I'm confident. Let's do it. Let's do it. As long as Latin doesn't score, you know, because we're edging ever closer to... What's he on now? Nine goals or something like that? Elite goals? Six, seven? Yeah, he's eight, on eight at the moment, Adam. He's scored more goals um, in 2016 than any other man... No, sorry. He's on... He's, he's, I think he's tied with uh, Rashford and Anthony Martial in 2016. I think on his... Goals scored in the Premier League. On his so goals per game. Out. On his goals per game ratio, he is on course to hit 20. So I'm, my girlfriend's getting a little bit worried. A little bit worried. Um, so as long as we keep Zlatan out, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling Imagine good. Imagine if he scores guys. a hat-trick now. Won't that be fun? <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, guys, look, you've got way more important games to discuss, I'm sure. Yeah. And, uh, so you go get I've on got to get the tube, right apparently. Now. Yeah, with uh, I will, but um, good luck <laughs> this weekend, Dave. Not too much luck. I'll speak to you gents on Monday. Don't go changing, Adam. Do go changing. Oh, right, okay. It's... Uh, Personal growth is important. Though. I know, good All point. Right. Yeah. I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you on Monday. I'm not on brand there, am I? Right, yeah, I'll see you on Monday. Yeah, don't forget to hashtag it. Oh, good. Bye. See you. Bye. Ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, good guy, Adam. Great guy. Uh, if only he just hang up. And there he goes. Bye bye. One person dials out, another person dials in. That, of course, has to be Kristen. Chris, welcome back. You're all the way from New York today. I am. Um, which I think, yes, I think this will be the last one I do from here for a little bit. Yeah, because you won't be joining us on Sunday. You will be travelling on Sunday. Yes. Um, I mean, we could try it in midair. How crazy would that be? But you, I, I imagine you're annoying other people on the plane quite a lot. Or making friends. It's all about how you see that glass, isn't it? Yeah. No, very good point. Yeah. Uh, don't go mentioning good formats on air, Chris, especially when we've not shot them yet. Um, anyway, the, 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 I also have, though, uh, I have a newborn baby in my flat now. So, uh, not mine. shit. So, um, so I also have to. How slack. long have I been gone? Yeah, <laughs> Chris, it's 2022. Donald Trump's in his second presidency. <laughs> Charlton Heston. <laughs> yeah, that's the one, right? And Taiwan now rules the world. Uh, what a call that was from Donald Trump all those years ago. Um, anyway, let's get down to it. I'm not joking though. I do have uh, a newborn baby in the flat. Uh, we get rid of Europa League. 
with you know Spurs and Adam and all those guys. Um, Dave Monaco tonight with a weird result, losing to Leverkusen. Yeah, but I think this this Leverkusen teams it's finally clicked for them. What in the last two to three months in the Bundesliga, it seems like they. The formation is looking a bit better now. The, the blend of players they've got in there. And Julian Brandt, a very, very supremely talented young player, is finally showing um, showing up on the, the sort of European stage. And I've done very well in the Bundesliga. And again, um, doing very well tonight. And I think in the last six or seven goals that uh, Leverkusen have scored, he's been directly involved in most of them. You know, 90 plus percent of them. So he is looking absolutely on fire at the moment. He's a very talented player, very good on the ball Almost a little bit like Julian Draxler in the way that he moves, uh, or like Kaká, you know, that type of player, quite chilled, but very, very good at beating his opposition and, and going forward and, and making things happen in that final third. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have affected Monaco too much, though. Monaco go through into the next round, uh, into the draw after the weekend. Dave, top of the group. Leverkusen go second. CSKA go out there. We start on Group E because of Adam, but let's move around a little bit, guys, because this, uh, the results from today. Did we, did we discuss Igor Rackenfeyer as well? Yes, just Possibly the most unlucky man in Champions League football. Unlucky I mean, I'm, I'm only going just off, not a good goalkeeper? Well, this is the thing, I'm only going off uh, one of those apps that tells you the scores, and as I saw it, not only did he concede three times, but he scored an own goal for the third. Yes, he did. <laughs> So I got out and I just thought, well, this is just another episode of Kirby Your Enthusiasm for Igor Rackenfeyer. I feel really and, sorry and for him. And what is Slutsky's last game as well? And Slutsky is, is leaving now, I believe, um, after a, a decent spell at CSK. I think he's their longest serving coach. I know he's won the, the Russian Premier League a few times with them and, and been there for a, a good old while. So, yeah, that's uh, not exactly how I imagine he wanted to bow out. Yeah, Slutsky looks like the most stressed coach in the world. I was shocked to learn he's only, I think, 45. He's in his mid-40s, let's put he it that way. He is not. He is. Google it now, I'm telling you, he's in his mid-40s. Poor Leonard, poor Leonard. Uh, anyway, Leonard slopes off somewhere else in football. Um, hopefully not back to the Russian national team. We all remember how that one ended. Uh, lovely guy, though. Uh, and I'm sure Alex, Alexis will let us know how he's doing. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go to group... Oh, where should we go next? Because group B finished in quite an exciting fashion, didn't it? Uh, Napoli finishing top there, Benfica finishing second, and you know what? It wasn't such a bad night for uh, for the goals with uh, Benfica winning two one. Chris, did you watch this one? I did. I also caught the the Shiktas game, which was oh wow! I have so much sympathy with the Shiktas because it just went from bad to worse. To is this even a sort of rung on the scale? Um, the goalkeeper, I think he started crying at 4-0 that's, that's not a joke he genuinely did seem to shed tears um, and yet amazingly when they came back to Turkey the fans were there ready to greet them and and when I say that I don't mean you know uh, flaming rags are drawn they were kind of quite welcoming and comforting to them from what I saw um, so yeah it's, it's a pretty mad group in that regard I think you know, Dinamo Kiev is a funny one. I've always looked at them as they have talent that maybe just needs that push into to Central Europe and could probably do things. Yarmolenko is probably the best example. Um, he's someone that I would be eager to see on a bigger stage just to see how he handles it because he looks so imperious for, for Ukraine and, and for Dinamo as well. It's yeah. just whether he gets that move because so often he seems like he's been priced out of it. In terms of Benfica, I know Dave put out a really good tweet. Um, 
Is it Gongalo Gueda? I'm so, so sorry if you're getting the name wrong. It's a little bit. It's Gueda, I think. Uh, so it's like uh, how, how I sort of phonetically put it was it's like G'day, but Gaway. Des. Okay. Is this um, the blind leading the blind? A, a little bit. I must admit. Mate. If if I could, I'd give Andy Brassler a call because he'll he'll know how to say it properly. Um, you can. Well, you got his phone number. A little bit. <laughs> I managed to catch him a little bit in the league. And he does look a really good player. He's just got such good close control. Everything that you really want from a player in that position. And I know we sometimes like to, to hang our hats on these younger players and say, look, this guy could be a star. I think in the same way that Sanchez has gone before him, uh, Bernardo Silva's gone from that academy, I think he could very easily be the next one in that little production line that goes on to bigger things and makes Benfica more money again. Because really, in, in the last few years... I would argue Benfica's been the productive academy. That's been the one that's really led the way for, for Portugal in terms of domestic exports. Interesting, Dave. You also watched the uh, Benfica-Napoli game. Which players impressed you, apart from uh, Guedes? Yeah, Guedes was, again, everything that Chris mentioned is pretty much, you know, he looks like a very, very, very talented forward who's playing sort of off the striker, drifting wide, left to the right, and creating things from there. But yeah, um, Victor Linderoth is another player that has been making the, the news recently with Link to United and so forth. Did have his greatest game, to be honest. I've, I've seen a bit of him. I watched quite a lot of Benfica last season um, and I was quite impressed with him last season. Against Napoli, kept on getting caught on the blind side with uh, Callion coming in from uh, the left-hand side, I think. Oh, no, sorry, the right-hand side, making those runs inside. And it kind of caught him out a few times. So, again, potentially it's something that he needs to work on as well on the ball. I like what he does on the wall. He's very confident. He steps out well. But, again, he wasn't finding his... He was making good passes, but they weren't finding their target. Like, the idea was perfect, but he wasn't hitting his target. So, potentially, that's something he needs to work on. But what he is as an all-round defender, he is good. He is physical. Um, he's commanding in certain situations. So, I think he will eventually hit it. Um, in the big time, be it at United, be it anyone else, Chelsea are linked as well. Uh, he's a top player. I like the name. I believe they call him the Iceman. I'm sure that's his nickname. Um, Iceman. And that's the thing. It's funny Dave talks about a transfer. He, he's locked in a little bit of a transfer angle at the minute himself because his former club in Sweden, well, it's more their fans actually pushing the agenda, are adamant that Benfica owe them about a quarter of a million euros. Um, relative, I think, to appearances and, and achievements that he's made at Benfica. And they're kind of eager to take it as high as they can um, up the, the ladder to try and get that money back. And Benfica, from everything that I've read, are pretty adamant they owe absolutely diddly squit. So it'll be interesting to see how that one sort of unfolds because, you know, I, I would imagine it could potentially slow down a transfer. It might even be a case of Benfica just, just look at it and say, OK, well, just pay the money to sort of, you know, sort of appease them and and push the transfer through if they get a decent fee for it. But yeah, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with Dave on that one. I think he's a very good physical defender. I think in general, Sweden as a country at the minute, it's producing a lot of talent that's maybe flying under the radar and isn't as sexy as, as maybe some Central European options. But in terms of value for money, I think Sweden is, is one of those markets. You could have the next Latin on your hands. Hey. Yeah, anyway. There um, was a lad with that but, tag. I forget where he is now. I remember him though he was quite lanky and yeah he was Swedish as well obviously okay um, I, I was worried for a minute it was Nicholas yeah. Bentner but he's not Swedish um, however he is Scandi so you know similar region they're all the same up there aren't they those Europeans um, it's a joke uh, let's move on to group A from B uh, Dave 
A. Arsenal made it through. A. Top of the group. A. And when they thrashed Basel 4-1 with another another lovely uh, set of goals from this Arsenal side, they thought, hey, we've made it through. We're top. Oh, yeah. no. PSG massively, you know, massively threw it away, going down to Ludogrets, you know, Angel Di Maria popping up in injury time to, you know, equalise the game. And What's wrong with that? That's just so poor from... Potentially could be the players, how they're not getting on with, with Emery or they're not his, you know, style of players. Well, the chairman threw them under the bus the other day. The chairman said uh, the players didn't mm. perform well enough and we expect them to put this behind us and put in a good performance against Ludogorets. No. <laughs> Yeah. So in terms of who Arsenal can get in the the, the next uh, round in the draw, it's either Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Benfica, Bayer Leverkusen, Porto and Sevilla. The point I'd like to make now is that I don't think you're ever going to get an easy draw in the last 16. I don't think that is a thing. I think that you've got to play at a certain level to get you through your Champions League group and, and so forth. And you just got to beat. if you want to win the Champions League, you've got to beat the best. And unfortunately, if Arsenal... You know, watch however far, far Arsenal do get this season. They will need to turn over one of these big giants at some point. So why not do it in the, the 16? Why not beat someone like um, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid and really get some momentum? Because then if you go into the next round and you've already tied yourself out against Bayern Munich yeah, and you get Real Madrid. I think you build confidence though. I think you build, bring that belief, you know, and players will, will, will sort of get to that next level in their heads. You know, football isn't just a, a game of, uh, you know, lungs and, and technique. It was also a mental game, isn't it? You know, the likes of someone like Lauren Cashel, I imagine has massive belief in him. He puts in one really solid defensive display. Then he's going to be carrying the likes of Mustafi and, and Bellerin when he returns through the rest of the tournament in terms of his, his you know, ability that will take him. It's that sort of extra 15% that's sort of intangible in football that you could get from beating one of these big boys. Something that, say, some stats dickhead just couldn't measure. One, yeah, thing, exactly. one thing that I think is interesting, though, is, is um, the way maybe that Alexis Sanchez is being treated right now. Because obviously uh, there are rumours going around that him and Ozil are demanding what Pogba has uh, garnered in wages, which is about 290 grand English pounds a week. Mm. Um, Chris, notoriously... Sanchez loves an arm around him. He loves to be treated well. But he looks very tough yes. out on the pitch. He looks very sort of robust right now. Do you think he's world-class like uh, Alan Shearer does? Well, I think he talked about needing to lead Arsenal to the title if he was going to be world-class, didn't he? If I, if I remember Some, that yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing is from Sanchez, to look at it for a moment from a sort of agent perspective or a business perspective, he is negotiating a new contract at a perfect time. He's in absolutely fantastic form. He is leading the side in so many ways. And he's got this potential offer from China that's, I think, £400,000 a week. Now, honestly, I don't think he takes the prime of his career and says, OK, I'm going to start the Chinese Super League up and, and be a huge star in that. But I do believe he would use that as leverage to say, look, I've got a, a team that will pay me 400000 I'm asking you for a lot less than that. Um, it's it's For me, it's a huge crossroads for Arsenal because... They talk about wanting to achieve, and I think their fans are very eager to fulfil that as well, to win league titles, to feel like they're in amongst that pack. And you've got a player that, again, I would say wasn't anywhere near this level when he joined, has improved himself and now wants to be paid for that. It's, it's the difficulty of he's become the big fish in the pond. If you lose him, yes, you'll gain a sizable amount of money, theoretically, if it's China or wherever that buys him. But you've then got to replace him. This is the thing that I always say about when you sell a player. 
you've got to think about the fact you need to replace them and how do you go about doing that? He's irreplaceable. I don't know if there's a... Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I had a chat with um, one of our listeners on Twitter the other day. His name escapes me, so I'm terribly sorry. Um, Is it Varun? But essentially... It must have been Varun. That's the only listener we have. No, no. Oh. Um, I want to say his name was Oscar. I want to say his name was Oscar. But we would, he was asking me if Lucas Perez was going to get more opportunities. And I said, for me personally, Lucas Perez is very similar to Sanchez in terms of what he does and the role he fulfills. So it's difficult to play what would essentially be two false nines in the same team. That's like some they kind of managed football it. manager experiment. Oh, Chris, I've done well, it. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I can fully believe that. Like, I can fully believe that. But the, the thing is, is that if you were to say sell Sanchez and say, okay, in, in replace, we'll, we'll let Perez have that false nine rolls his own. You're going to have a drop-off in quality. I don't think you're going to be matched because Sanchez gives you a lot of the intangibles as well. It's a lot of bustling and energy and maybe things that you can't always track. It's not just distance covered. I think that's a little bit of a misleading stat sometimes in this game. We have to look at how that distance is actually used, how the energy is used. Um, and so for me, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult situation for Arsenal in the first place. And, you know, we talk about PSG. If they're looking for a marquee player, I wouldn't be... You know, I wouldn't be too surprised if they looked at someone like Sanchez because, again, if you can afford to pay him that money, I'm not too sure on the, the inner workings financially of PSG, it would make sense. I mean, personally, to, to chime in slightly on that, I find Emery's decisions yesterday very bizarre. Subbing a left-back on as his first change relatively near the end didn't make a huge amount of sense to me. Um, in general, PSG have a really good record at home. They'd only lost one of 22 at home going into that game, and that was against Barcelona. Um, so yeah it's, it's a bizarre one I, I think for Arsenal though to, to finish up I, I kind of think they have to just pay the money I really do I think there comes a point where that sort of prudence that prudent approach financially where you think you're being smart and you think you're giving yourself a structure will only inhibit you and I think it will turn off big players as well because that's the thing in tying him down you're kind of sending a message to potential targets for January or even the summer yeah and no one is going to bid forty million and a pound. How's um, it? You know who to call. Ghostbuster. Anyway, uh, yeah. On a very funny side note, uh, the back of the mirror today basically said uh, that the release clause for Firmino weirdly is eighty-two million, which sounds quite that sounds quite high to me. But okay. Um, and then at the same time, that there is apparently a clause which I don't really believe in his contract, which says that Liverpool do not have to sell to Arsenal. Uh, just interesting, isn't it? How long do you reckon it took the lawyers to get that sorted, right? What a waste of cash. Yeah, I know, right? Never underestimate how much pride influences decisions in football, honestly. So, something like that Suarez thing, where, they, like I say, they supposedly bid £40 million in a pound. That I imagine that would have really riled Liverpool, because in a lot of ways, it's being... It's trying to be too smart, and I think, for them personally... Um, it's almost like, okay, you can go somewhere, but you can't go there because we're still a little bit smarting about that. Well, I guess, it's, I guess it's sort of saying, okay, cool, you guys want to be smart, or right, well, we're smarter then. Um, or, yeah, a little you know, bit. It's, you want to be insulting. Because I think a lot of people forget with economics that economics is not just about money. It's about how you move the money. Otherwise, it would just, well, I suppose it depends, doesn't it? it depends on whether If you... Arsenal now change their name, then we've got the ultimate one-up friendship. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the ultimate loophole to get him to Arsenal. They changed their name to Woolwich or something. Arsenal, red and white socks. 
which would be ironic if they were called the Arsenal Red Sox, because then the Red Sox would have acquired uh, a player from Liverpool. And uh, that would probably smart for uh, John Henry, um, who apparently has built the Golden State Warriors of baseball over there with the Red Sox. Uh, but we'll find out in the They're coming They're going to blow a 3-1 lead. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, Liverpool certainly know how to do that, though, don't they, Chris? Um, anyway, moving on, because that is actually true. Liverpool are the Golden State Warriors now. Um, anyway, which other group should we go to? Chris, while we've got you sort of uh, in your prime, uh, Group C was pretty much already decided, but it was really... Um, I mean, it was pretty much already decided, wasn't it? It was just nice to watch uh, Barcelona unleash on Gladbach and uh, Man City unleash on Brave Brave Celtic. Yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, the Barcelona game is, is cut and dry. It's, it's nice to see Turan get the, the hat-trick. I know a lot of people were frustrated with his classical performance. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it was nice for him to bounce back. He's joined a fairly decent club in terms of Champions League hat-tricks. I think Rivaldo's in there and Aldinho, so... He's against. He's you know alongside some nice company. Um, the the Manchester City Celtic game for me. Again, it was one of those games where I was just left a little bit surprised, or maybe not surprised or disappointed with the defensive output from City. Um, granted, it was a very changed team in the respects of uh, they put some youngsters in there. I think it was a little bit of a trial in that regard. He was trying to see where the level of those backup options are because at the minute you. It's easy to point out that City's biggest weakness is their defence, the central defence options. Um, I was talking to, to Jimmy uh, Conrad about that last week and saying Otamendi as a signing to me, and I think I've said this before in the podcast, was a bit of a surprise because he'd only had one good season at Valencia and then, bang, he snapped up, big fee. And, and Mangala, you know, again, Brassel is, is someone that knows Portuguese football really well and he was surprised that they paid that fee for him because... Really, that fee was the kind of fee that you would pay had he realised his potential, which, to be fair, at this point, it doesn't look like he's going to do. So I think there needs to be a little bit more due diligence for City in terms of that moving forward. Um, In terms of their actual play, I thought Zabaleta was brilliant in midfield. I thought his ability to to be versatile and and slot in like that was very impressive. Um, I think that, in a lot of ways, suggests he's got a long-term future there, maybe in that kind of alarm role as someone that can play at fullback, but also in midfield. Um, for Celtic, I actually like Tom Rogic and uh, Patrick Roberts as well. I thought he was was really handy. Now, obviously, he's a, a City youngster, um, so he'll go back there at some point. But as I said on Twitter, the fact that whenever I watch him, it just seems like the ball is glued to his foot. It's really not, for me, someone that dazzles you with tricks and does all these step-overs. He's a little bit like Kakari, just goes past you. He dips one way, dips the other way. Just a very intelligent player in terms of understanding space and how to unsettle an opponent and the, the sort of where weight sits on an opponent and which way you need to go to, to unsettle them and, and uh, unbalance them. That was the word I was looking for. So, yeah, overall, I thought it was a very good game. At this stage, I don't think City are anywhere near winning the Champions League. Um... I think in that regard, the more I look at this project for um, Guardiola, I think it's his toughest so far. I don't know if you guys agree, but for me, it's, it is the toughest project relative to the competition he has, also the level he needs to raise the team to. I think Barcelona was different because there was an expectation there and what would he do? Could he translate that to success? Whereas for City, he's really got to improve this squad. Um, 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Whether that's by buying or whether that's just working with the players, it doesn't really matter at this point. It's just got to improve. Yeah, of course, Celtic could have made it through with a win. They'll be disappointed they didn't take their uh, chance, especially considering what they did elsewhere in this group and how they got to the giddy heights of three points. Um, Dave, let's let's go to Group D for a second, where Bayern Munich won 1-0 against uh, Atletico Madrid. Obviously, this is always going to be a fairly low-scoring game. Madrid, though, still finished top of the group despite the Bayern win. Yeah, I think they would have broken a record um, in Champions League history. If they'd won that game, they would have won. The fir- it would have been the first team to win six games in the group stages. But, you know, Bayern will be very competitive in this Champions League because of Carlo Ancelotti. We spoke about that before. I think Lewandowski is a player that's got, you know, you can already see how he feels a lot freer in this system where he can do what Lewandowski does best, which is actually uh, get involved with the player a lot earlier on in the build-up. Scored another wonderful free kick. If you see his free kick that he scored on Friday night in the Bundesliga, it's exactly the same free kick as he scored last night against um, Atletico Madrid. Um, but Atletico uh, going for a bit of a sticky patch, both in the league and obviously this European game. So they need to sort of fix something, sort something out, maybe try something different tactically. They're just in a really bad spell. Um, and it's probably one of the worst runs they've been on um, under Diego Simeone. So they've got things to think about, I think, Atletico. Do you at all attach that to the idea that he wanted to leave at the end of last season and thought it was maybe a good idea? Um, no, because I thought that he had the right components to really push this team even further. Um, but it just seems like they've, uh, they may need to find another way to win. They may need to find a new system. They may need to just try something differently, like a back three maybe, or, um, you know, just, or maybe go back to the roots of playing the way that they used to play in it, his defence. Obviously, they did defend a lot against Bayern Munich and maybe... They needed a little bit more on the counter-attack. I, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing, and it's a thing that potentially Simeone has to, to solve um, in the, the tiny winter sort of break they have in, in Spain. Yeah, that winter break, it's going to be cruel. Winter is coming, as they say. Uh, PSV drew nil-nil with Rostov. Uh, Rostov go through on five points. Wow. That is, uh, that is very, very poor from PSV. Very, very poor. You'd expect them to, to really push on, but... You know, if you're getting uh, Rostov, you know, no, no qualms against Rostov. But again, they are more of a, a team of average players that are playing well together than, than PSV, who you definitely expect to go through to the Europa League. Let's just quickly brush upon a couple, another couple of groups around, because uh, there are some good ones. Um, Dave, let's go to Madrid. You watched, not literally, though that would be lovely, 2-2 uh, in the end with Dortmund. At one point, Real Madrid were 2-0 up, and Dortmund battled back into this one with good counter-attacking football. 
Yeah, I think that was the thing. Um, even though Madrid were 2-0 up, I thought that Dortmund played arguably the better stuff. They they created more opportunities to break. The, I think they had maybe three or four opportunities before they scored where they were actually like four on three or four on two, breaking against Real Madrid. And it is going to be a concern for, for Zidane. Va- uh, Rafael Varane was fantastic in the first half, uh, but then drifted a little bit out of the game in that second half. Wasn't as good up against Aubameyang. But I think the real the, the danger man, the sort of lighting up this Dortmund team at the moment has got to be Marco Royce. He's been fantastic since returning from injury. Uh, before this game, in the last three games, he'd um, scored uh, scored three goals and got four assists. He scored, obviously, against Real Madrid to the equaliser. And now, since returning from injury, he's been directly involved in 53% of Borussia Dortmund's 15 goals in all competitions. So he's making a big impact. I thought he was excellent when he came on. He's a very sharp player. And he's one of the, he's probably one of my favourite players in world football um, in terms of uh, how, how creative he, he is uh, from interesting positions and he caused Madrid a lot of problems when he came on. Schürrle again was quite poor. Uh, Dembele was played centrally which was quite a bit of an odd one. I kind of understand the tactical thinking behind it. They want someone to dribble directly at the, the Madrid centre house but it kind of didn't work and maybe he should have uh, changed it a bit earlier on. He left uh, Dembele on until bringing on Marco Royce but before maybe he could have pushed Dembele out wide um, to cause a little bit more problems for the likes of Marcelo or Carvajal. He had pretty easy nights to say the least. Yeah, uh, Dortmund obviously breaking that record, the scoring record in the Champions League. Good for them. Gary bloody goals. He's Gary, German this week. Gareth goals. Uh, Ga- Gazert. What's Gareth? Georg. Georg goals. Is it Georg Tor possibly? Yeah, Tor's goal in German, I believe. Yeah, Georg Tor. Thomas Tor. They'll probably call him. Excellent, Excellent German riffing, guys. Uh, Legia finally got a win after 20 years of waiting, Chris. And that team that you tipped at the beginning, you said, hey, they're dangerous. Hey, they came good in the end against Sporting, who constantly knocked at the door throughout the game and couldn't bundle the ball into the goal. Yeah, Sporting, sporting is a funny one. So they're, they're trying essentially with Porto to, to match Benfica but it's it's I think a little bit of a one-horse race in Portugal right now the thing is with Sporting as has, has been the case for a long time is that their academy producers um, whether it's Gelson Martins Bruno Cavallo the, the talent just manages to, to get through in terms of, of Legia I think George Jesus and, and Sporting will be disappointed with this result um, as you alluded to in the question there they, they huffed and they puffed for a long time and they just couldn't seem to get the ball in there. Um, Almost bundled it th- in time after time. I think I think that's the thing with, with Sporting is, at the minute for me, they, they're kind of trapped in this position of they're either fourth or third in their group most seasons. Um, and part of the problem, I would argue, is that, again, you're in that position where the players you can attract realistically are the likes of Bastos, um, who may do okay in something like Heronvein or somewhere like that, but I think he had his purple patch in a big league with, with Wolfsburg. I don't think that's consistent. Um, it's it's a difficult one. I don't know how you change it. Maybe you buy younger and try and, and maybe rear them yourself in that regard. But then they've already got a fair few good young players themselves, as I alluded to there before. It's a difficult one. I'm not too sure what the answer to the, the problem is or the solution. Um, as much to say that, again, I think it's just something they need to be striving for now is to improve and, and move up there. Very good point. Um, Chris, uh, no, in fact, Dave, I want to ask you a quick question tonight. A lot of speak about verticality in this group, uh, but especially in reference to uh, Real Madrid 
and the way that Zidane's got them playing. When people speak about verticality, because I've been looking at it a lot over the last week, looking at um, Bielsa and a couple of other uh, managers. What do they mean by a vertical team? Uh, I think it, it, it can mean two things in a defensive way. Um, you're quite compact, you're pressing from the front. But in terms of shifting the ball, it means that you are, instead of going horizontal, you know, across the pitch, you are looking for those straight balls. So you're looking to get, you know, either if you're going centrally, vertically, you're going for a target man, or if you're going vertically to your your wingers, you're looking to get them involved earlier doors or potentially to a number 10. So it's just about the, uh, you know, where you're playing, how you're playing. It's just a way to to say a certain style. You know, the old days, I could just say that was direct pressing, high octane stuff. Yeah. But obviously football moves on and the way to describe things is is rather interesting. Well, I mean, Dave, do you, do you think that this, seat, this side is vertical because of the, the players that it has up top? And essentially what you want to do is... Um, it's almost a basketball style of football mm. in that sense. Not to not to reduce it down because it is it's clearly a very successful um, style of football. Dan's done very well with it. But um, in order to get the best out of a Bale or Ronaldo or maybe both up top or Benzema up front, it makes sense to have a very vertical style of football. And in 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 many ways, players around them moving quite simply. And in uh, and I know it sounds very reductive, but you know what I mean by that. Um, mm. So that, you know, a, a Ronaldo or a Bale or a Benzema can drift and essentially they know where everyone else is moving, but not everyone else necessarily knows where they're going to see a Ronaldo or a Benzema. And when they, when they can pick them out, it's very likely going to end in a goal. Yeah, I think that we, we saw some some good vi- play from um, from Real tonight, especially, you know, uh, Carvajal getting forward on the right hand side and then, you know, Benzema drifting out there, Ronaldo popping up centrally and so forth. And yeah, I do think that this Real Madrid team does suit that in a way but then also you've got the likes of Tony Cruz and Luka Modric in central midfield that two of the best ball playing central midfielders in world football I still don't think this Zinedine Zidane team is anything special I've said it before and I'm going to say it again they sat back they didn't cause Dortmund too many troubles they they broke on them twice and that and they scored two goals overall in the game I didn't think they were very good I thought Dortmund were the better of the team if Dortmund could defend um, simple situations for example the first goal that Benzema put away um, massive space behind the fullback. Bartra goes over and is in an absolutely ridiculous body position. He's basically standing with his legs open. Mm. Carvajal just plays it through his legs. It's, it's a really weird position. If you go back and look at that, it's a very unnatural defensive position to be in because he's so wide. His stance is so wide. I imagine that's quite difficult to turn, to to manoeuvre yourself. And it's just quite a basic error. And then you go to the second goal and it's a similar thing. It's quite a basic error. But Real Madrid are capitalizing on them. So I've got to credit them for that. They, they can kill people on the counter-attack. But... It's just not my favourite Real Madrid team with the components that they've got. I feel that they could play a lot, you know, a far more attractive style than they do. Well, uh, in Group G, it Let's just wait finished. for the tweet to come over to the, the account. Dave is an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But anyway, see you later. Stephen Housen can message you personally, though, surely. Um, he actually, yeah, he's got my number on WhatsApp, actually. He sends me horrible things yeah. during the week. God, even though it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Stephen. Um Thank you, Skype, for telling me that. Um, anyway, uh, Group G, where we found uh, Leicester beaten 5-0 by Porto, battered and bruised the Foxes in the end. I'm sure Nigel Farage was happy. Um, although, actually, that's someone from Europe beating someone English. That doesn't make any sense. Um, surely he wants an American to do that. Um, let's talk a little bit uh, about that. It was fine, wasn't it, Dave? And then Bruges uh, lost to Co- Copenhagen. Doesn't really matter there. I mean, essentially, if Porto hadn't won tonight, could have been a different group with Copenhagen going through with Leicester. 
Yeah, it would have been incredible, Copenhagen. What a what a story that would have been there. But I think uh, this Porto team has a lot of good components. They started a bit poorly in the Champions League this season, but there's players in there that are supremely talented. You know, you, um, the lad up top, Andre Silva, looks like a really, really, really top class centre back in the making. 21 years old. Um, he's been. I think he's scored four goals for them in the Champions League this season. Got one assist tonight. He was fantastic. Scored twice. Got an assist. But it's just all his overall play is really good. He's like a very, very impressive forward. He's not that tall. He's not that strong. He's not that physical. But he's a very good footballer. And he has a good footballing brain. He obviously scored a penalty tonight, but he won that himself. But he's. I just like him. He's a player that I'm sort of you know looking around that we've spoke about. Uh, Julian Brandt tonight, we've spoken about Guardes, who are very talented young players, and Andre Silva is up there as well um, with of that crowd of the next big thing in Europe. Good point. Uh, let's move on to Group H. Uh, Juventus topped that one, Sevilla coming second. Uh, and tonight was an interesting night because Sevilla managed to keep Leon down, Dave, and that was all they needed to do. Yeah, Leon again, like Porto, started very poorly in this season's Champions League, but they started to hit a bit of form and they just needed to win the game tonight and they would have gone through. But this Leon team, it's moving on. Lacazette is still the, the focal point of this team. And then there's some more youngsters that have come in. Um, the likes of Taliso, who's played an incredible amount of appearances for his young age, is, is top, top class. So I imagine them to do to do very well in the Europa League with their you know new stadium and so forth getting adjusted to life there so yeah they're going to they're going to be a threat in the, the Europa League to Manchester United's crown yeah uh, and of course Juventus go through having beaten Dynamo Zagreb there the important draw comes on is it Monday I think it's Monday yeah I'm looking forward to it uh, it's going to be good guys we might even do some coverage around it on TF3 but join us uh, for that, be very good. If you don't already follow us on Twitter, go and find it uh, right there. Uh, I think we've got a, one last thing, Lawrence, before we dive into the full questions. Yes. We've got a question from the two substitutes. Um, which match would you most like, most want to see in the knockouts now? That's there, both of you two. So, wait, what? So basically, which tie do you want to see? Do you want to see Arsenal drawn against Bayern Munich? Do you want to see Arsenal drawn against Real Madrid? Do you want to see Arsenal drawn against Sevilla? Out of any of the ties that could be possibly be there, what do you want to see? Based slightly off how their pre-season encounter went, Leicester against Barcelona could be a laugh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good show. It'll, it'll either be um, like Muhammad Ali against Sonny Liston, or it'll either be Dredderick Tatum against Homer Simpson, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I want to see, um, and this is going to be a good one, I'd, I'd, I want to see Man City face, and I think they've got these two possibilities, Dortmund or Juventus. Dortmund, because I obviously love to see uh, Pep up against Bayern again, uh, sorry, uh, Borussia, or Juventus, obviously, because it's just Juventus, isn't it? Mm, they'd be tasty tactically fascinating what about you Dave? well I want to see the hipsters derby Borussia Dortmund versus Sevilla wow so much pressing the pressing would just explode the pitch would sound fire (laughs) would it? you'd shorten the pitch in theory wouldn't you? pressing is really intensive yeah you'd box it up so it's like a 30 by 30 box would look like a thorn box yeah whoever makes the most tackles wins Okay, fair enough. Emery could go back to Sevilla. That could be fun. Yeah. Um, because uh, in theory, he left to have resources and all this kind of stuff, and then he goes back to the, the club that made him. Let us know what your tie will be 
um, it'd be really interesting to see what you guys think of you know, your ties. Donald Trump doesn't want to see his made in China anymore. Uh, where, where do you want to see yours time at ties made? Um, hey, how many more Donald Trump references do you think we can fit into the show? Uh, let me know. Up for Geneva. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's get straight into the questions. The first one comes from, you can get us at the front three on Twitter. Uh, Gershan. Gershan says, what would you recommend me to do in order to become a football manager? And have any of you um, tried football management? Uh, well, Dave, I mean, you are deep, deep into some seasons with uh, teams yeah. on football manager. Spent some time, yeah. not some years of my life, being in Dresden, uh, Bolton. It used to be Bolton when JJ Kotcher. Um, there were some great times. But uh, in terms of real life stuff, I've done coaching before. I was the assistant coach at the women's football team when I was at uni. I think that's any, any coaching experience you can get, just go and get that. And that was quite fun. Match day was probably the funnest part which obviously is sort of being like a football manager. I really enjoyed that sort of outthinking somebody, you know, thinking when the game is playing. That's what I like. I think what problem do you need to solve? What's your team doing right? What's your team doing wrong? How are you going to maximise your offence and minimise their defence and so forth? All interesting. But in terms of advice, yeah, do some coaching badges. Yes, I've done football manager uh, a fair few times. Um, everything from Ajax to Juventus to uh, Celtic. I had a phase where I quite liked to see if I could get a fully domestic squad, um, which is perhaps timely given the current political climate. Um, but apart from that, in terms of actual real-life coaching, I did a little bit. My, my dad actually took over uh, my little brother's team for a brief spell when their manager was out, um, and I served as sort of assistant, the Sammy Lee role, if you will. Um, and that was, yeah, that was good fun. We managed to finish second in the tournament with uh, with a squad that was fairly bare bones, largely B players. So yeah, it was it's decent. It's something I've always wanted to do since. Um, I think I've voiced before long term. I think my future is is on the technical side of, of football. Where that actually puts me in the end of things, I'm not too sure. You're a young Pochettino in that sense. Um, in that you can put in a crunching tackle, and you've got a good sense of humour. Um, this one's a good one. Uh, this one's from Gibbs, Ryan Gibson, Gibbo. Um, if you had to support a different Prem team, who would it be and why? Dave? Um, well, roots-wise, uh, grandparents-wise, probably Southampton. Um, also, my granddad and my mum used to watch when they were when my mum was little and my granddad was of the age to take children to football. <laughs> it's a very weird way to phrase it. Um, Chris? Uh, I mean, geographically, in the same vein of Dave, I guess it's Sunderland or Middlesbrough. Uh, Sunderland's closer. I've actually got family that support Sunderland, so theoretically, then, if I could pick any team of the current crop, uh, I'd be tempted to say Arsenal. To be honest, I've always kind of liked the way they play. Um, yeah, I think I think probably Arsenal. Yeah. How original? Um, I'd quite like Spurs at the moment. If I were to pick any team, it'd probably be Spurs. Young team, talented manager, pressing football, Christian Eriksen. What else do you want? Very, very good point. And that car in the background agrees. Um, who's more valuable to Arsenal, Ozil or Sanchez? Oh, the man who creates the goals and the man who scores the goals. That's a very good question. I would say... Again, this is difficult, and I know it's a little bit Sophie's choice, and I'll probably get a lot of abuse. I'd say Sanchez. I think finding a high-level goal scorer can be 
a little bit more difficult than a high-level career. As much as as Ozil sort of leads that field in a lot of ways, um, I think it will be easy to replace him long-term. Yeah, and Sanchez did create quite a bit last night as well, uh, on Tuesday night, sorry. Um, Dave, who would you rather go for? It's simple as Sanchez. I think he's uh, he has more of an impact on a game than the Mesut Ozil does in terms of that final that final third. And obviously, I'm not saying Mesut's rubbish, but Sanchez just can score, can assist. And this season, what eleven goals in the Premier League and um, four assists? He's he's leading the way for Arsenal and he's leading the way for the Premier League. He's been directly involved in more goals than any other player. So there isn't much to argue about this season. Dave, if Bilic was to leave, and this one comes from Jack Hobson, if Bilic was to <laughs> leave West Ham. Who would be a good replacement? Some people saying my... Big Sam. <laughs> what do you think my answer would be? Big Sam. Correct. It's got to be Big Sam. Big, Bring Big Sam back to the Premier League. I can't wait. That good. is all. Very good. Um, question for the birthday Libero. 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 Uh, for Loscast, how do you approach uh, the two different podcasts differently as they both seem quite professional? <laughs> um, he means the True Geordie podcast and the front three without being corporate. Um, so what he's saying there is how do I um, maintain an air of uh, integrity? whilst also being um, a consummate professional. Um, I don't know. McKenna amused. McKenna amused and then quit. Um, yet they show quite different sides of character because the podcast cover different topics. One, sex. The other one is the True Geordie podcast. Um, I, I don't really know how to answer that. It's not really... You know what? Different friends, different... <laughs> such a Brent answer. Different. You're really not. That's the thing. I think you're really not that different. The, the, for me, the key difference is on that one, you're often discussing uh, sort of real world issues and things like that. You're discussing news and politics and all this kind of thing. Whereas this is more sports centric. And I think the only difference for me personally is, is that often with this, you'll take more of a, a host type moderator role. Whereas with True Geordie podcast, you're bouncing off someone else. You're essentially having a conversation. True. Some people love me in that pundit role, though. Hey, if you want me in that pundit role, I'm a liberal. Just let me know. Uh, although I've also been told I appear on too many YouTube channels, uh, including Dave Talks, which is now rebranded. Am I right, Dave? Yeah, yeah. It's been rebranded to Statman Dave with one of the. Part one of the shows called Dave Talks. You know, a very wise man told me to do that, Lawrence McKenna. I don't know who it was. It was true, Geordie. Um, what team is the weakest when playing away from home? That one comes from Alex Sanchez, um, whose username is Suckle My Fuckle. <laughs> um, just funny, isn't it? Um, so that's who took it. Uh, sorry, Kristen had to go for suck on my fuckle 83. Um, of course, the year he was born. Um, come on, Dave. Um, suck on my fuckle. Uh, what team is the weakest when playing away from home? In the world or, or in the Premier League? What, have we got any parameters? Who's, who's weak when away from home apart from Manchester United? Uh, excuse me, Lawrence. I'll have less of that about Manchester United. We are a, a good football institution who will do all right stuff this season. Um, I'm just trying to stall whilst I load the Premier League table, Lawrence. I've got a potential answer for you here, actually, and it's not a joke, I promise. Is it Liverpool? No. Um, the Chicago Fire in MLS went just over two years 
without winning an away game. Really? Yeah. Good stretch into this season. They eventually broke it. Um, but yeah, they went over two years without winning away from home. Lawrence, I've got news for you, mate. In the Premier League, the wor- whoa, that is interesting. So the worst team away from home are Burnley. They've picked up zero wins, one draw, five... Whoa, hold on, hold on, wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah, sorry, back to the start. So Burnley, one uh, draw, five defeats. Leicester City, one defeat... Sorry, one draw, six defeats. That is quite interesting. So Leicester are the second worst team in the Premier League this season away from home. Sort of makes sense, really, isn't it, this season? I know, but uh, you know, like sometimes you don't look at the underlying factors of why Leicester City are doing so poorly. One's there, isn't it, that they're not travelling very well this season. Yeah, although they've travelled well once, although tonight, five goals. I wonder how different. many. So this here we go. Champions League. Here we go. This this is the this is the this is what we want. Last season in the Premier League, who travelled the best in the Premier League? Leicester. Exactly. There we go. That's why they're going to get relegated. Suckle my fuckle. Um, uh, uh, Which teams could you see causing upsets in the knockout stages of the Champions League? Uh, We will talk that one next week on Wednesday's podcast, post-draw. There's a lot of sort of... uh, Champions League based ones here uh, will, Wester, will Leicester win the UCL and get relegated in the same season um, here's Gary Goals or Dayson1996 saying what is the best performance uh, and best individual performance you've ever seen uh, in the PL or UCL uh, by the way guys uh, definitely Xabi Alonso um and is my... it best individual performance? Is it? Uh, yes. I mean, I'm I'm going to be massively biased here, only because I never get to mention this. Tino Aspria against Barcelona. Oh, good. Was it really? Scored a hat trick against a very good Barcelona team. Good, Dave. Surely it's a Paul Scholes appearance or something like that. Um, didn't Messi score some ridiculous amount of goals against Bayer Leverkusen one season? It was like six goals he scored. Um, but I think Messi-wise, the two Champions League finals that Messi played in, in the one in that was in 2011, the one that was in 2005, sorry, 2011-2015, he was just absolutely incredible both those games and played very different roles. So for me, Messi in the two finals that I've seen, he's just been absolutely world-class. But Kaká as well, Kaká's had a number of wonderful seasons and wonderful performances. Um, you'd probably say that second Champions League final, he was really, really good. Um, you know, the second Liverpool one. But yeah, yeah they're both those two players. Although and then you've got Ronaldinho as well. Ronaldinho just exploded. Although uh, he also did... Uh, Kaká the, ran the show uh, just even when Liverpool won it in the end. Mm. Yeah, uh, fair so, show. And Hernan Crespo was on fire that night. Mm. Mental. Whatever next. Uh, but other... Questions, Dave. Funny you ask. Um, no, what draws would you personally like to see? We'll talk about that. We've already spoken about that one. Uh, do, 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 I like this where I can find more player. Where can I find more player dashboards? Dave, where do you get your player dashboards from? Is the question from Rob. Uh, depends which dashboards he's talking of. There's um, the, it's the one. It's the black one, not the uh, not the squawker one. Oh, that's that's uh, the four four two stat zone app. A very good app, um, built by a single fella. Actually, does that does everything of the coding. Interesting, clever, oh, one guy. clever guy. One guy, yeah. 
Oh, but I, when I found that, I was like, Jesus, you mad? Makes you feel sick, doesn't it? Yeah, he's so good at life. How little we do and how much he does. Yeah. Um, although, if only you could sort out some of those squares. Uh, Love K. Hennage is a regular for the front three now. It's like the Golden State Warriors adding KD to their big three. Hashtag I am the whole. Who is that? Because that's who I had the Lucas Perez. That was Os- Oscar Anderson. Yes, I knew I got it right. Mr. Anderson. Um, I think that is actually all the questions which aren't UCL-based um, tonight. Although, let's finish on this one, because let's finish on a positive for Arsenal. We don't talk about Brilliant. Arsenal positively enough. Um, how far? I've only got 4% battery. <laughs> how far do you yeah, think uh, Arsenal can go in Europe and the Premier League this season, Chris? Far, far in the Premier League in Europe. Well, now, I said the other day I didn't think they were title rivals because I just didn't trust them. I think they could get as high as second. I don't think they'll win the league. In terms of Europe, I think they'll get past the last 16. At most, I could see them get into a semi-final. I couldn't, I couldn't see them going all the way. I just, There's too many frailties in that team, and I think they are exactly the kind of team that when a few things go against them, a few of the important characters crumble. Davo. They're going to go far this year, Lawrence. Sanchez, quarters, Mezit, semis. Wow, is that what we're going to get? That's what we're going to get. That is what we're going to get. They've they've stumbled through November, unscathed. They're pushing through now, top the group. They're going to draw. Who's the worst team in the next round? Whoever the worst, they're going to get by Leverkusen. Julian Brandt's going to put up up a good fight, but Sanchez is going to tear them apart. The next round, they're going to draw Leicester City, destroy them, and then meet. I think we're I think we're on to the semis now. Then meet the mighty Barcelona. Dave, um, I'm not sure what happens. But... I've actually got quite a good one here. Uh, Daniel Zoe says, uh, "Who does your heart say will win the Champions League? His Real Madrid." Difficult one. I'd, I'd really like Atletico to do it, but they're obviously struggling at the moment, mentally and physically. Um, yeah, so Atletico for me. Nice, Chris. Unless Chris is... Uh, no, it's still there. Keep going. No, 3%, so keep this brief. Um, the question is who I would like to win it. Yeah. Uh, who's your heart say? My heart says Dortmund. Oh, good heart. My heart says Manchester United. Uh, I'd love to see him win it this season. Uh, After Europa League, Lawrence. How many no, times? Bring it on yourself. We're not in Definitely Europe. Definitely bring it on yourself sometimes. Yeah. <sighs> I just, love you to death, but definitely bring it on yourself. Sometimes. No, I'm, I'm serious. I just love to see Manchester United win the Europa League, uh, win the Champions League this season. Uh, <laughs> it was lovely banter, Dave. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Well done, mate. Good work. Yes, yeah. thank you. But what do you, we didn't ask you about Arsenal because you're the Arsenal hater of the group. Uh, Any Arsenal fans? Tweet at Loscast. You are a hater of Arsenal, and I do not like you. This has left the building. Well, thanks for uh, listening today, guys. This has been The Front Three yeah. with Kristen Herridge, Lawrence McKenna, and of course, Adam Bollwood at the start. If you're new to The Front Three, please go over to YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Find us on Twitter at The Front Three. Till next time, we've been the whole. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 